<laughs> if something breaks, we'll know. Right? Keith, we Fuck it, we'll up. do it live. Keith, you don't fucked up again. Yeah, no. Two, one, zero. Hey, look. Something's happening. Does that mean we're live? Is it? Is are, are we actually on the interwaves? Hey, and I, I can hear us. We're live. Oh my god. Oh my god. It, it, it's it's like we're not pre-taped anymore. Well, nobody uses tape anymore, Josh. God darn it. Right, we're not pre-digitized anymore. There you go. Hey. So I guess that means we should probably do an intro. Otherwise, people would be like, who the hell are these guys rambling? Then you can go ahead and do a sexy radio voice person who sounds better than me, and I'm completely jealous. All right. Well, then, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number seven, a.k.a. our first live episode of Spectator Mode. I am your host, the otaku of the internet, now on a gaming podcast, JJ Pietra, Joshua, Jeremiah, and we've got a pretty good show for you tonight, guys. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the games we've been playing, recapping the Borderlands 3 release date news, a little bit of a topic on Ubisoft killing off the Starling toy production, and of course, Ooh. our main topic that we've been pimping out on Twitter, which if you're not following us, you should at spectator underscore mode. We're going to be talking about the whole get good mentality in video games, but before we get to all that juicy goodness, time to actually do some introductions and get some other people on this podcast who just don't listen to my sexy baritone voice for two hours. Uh, of course, we have the editor-in-chief of OuterHaven.net, the man with so many nicknames that a bowl of alphabet soup cannot actually spell them out correctly or fully, Mr. Keith Mitchell. What's going on, man? One, alphabet soup? Do they even make that anymore? I don't know. And Go two, to Campbell's and find out. Hello, everybody. Campbell's. I'm not going to our website. No, thanks. Actually, you know what? I am going to go there. Just okay. because you're dead. You do Campbell's that. alphabet soup. And while you're looking up your meal for the next 10 years, probably, because you're going to probably spell out every single nickname and then take a photo of it and you post it on our Twitter account. Which we should do, do that, that, by the way. We also have joining us from the land down on the... The guy is going to probably kick me in the nuts when he first sees me in America because I keep making him sound British and rather than Australian. Carl Smart. What's going on, man? Not so much. Uh, I wish there was one of me than my uh, location, but you know what? Hey, I'll take that. Yeah. Take what you can get, man. Especially in this day and age. Especially in this day and age. Oh, my God. <laughs> and finally, last but certainly not least... We have our newest member of the OuterHaven.net who joined us last week and returned this week, Mr. Diego Perez. What's going on, man? Hi. Uh, I like video games. We all do, <laughs> I think. I don't. I I'm just here for the money. He is the outliner. He hates gaming. Absolutely. Mega That's Man why. sucks. Mega Man yeah. sucks. A1 Podcast, Anime and Manga for Life, boys. Speaking of shows to pay the bills. Yeah, check out all of our other podcasts, too, including A1 and... You know, A1 and also A1. And if you ever get hungry, you can think of A1. Like, oh. Yeah, stay podcast. Anime, podcast, beautiful stuff. So, gentlemen, it's been a whole week, seven whole days since we last recorded, and about five days since everyone else on the internet, you know, listened to us because, you know, VODs and pre-recordings and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. What have you guys been playing? And before we get to Keith, I'm pretty sure the spoiler here is Sekiro's Shadows Die Twice. Am I right? No. 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 Whoa. You're dying to know what it's been, though, huh? 
Yeah, I, so, I, I, I need to know this. I was playing some Sekiro um, I, since I've already beaten it, and I posted my review. I actually started a new game mode, but then I was like, you know what? I need to go back and play The Division. So I've been playing that a lot more, especially since I saw a couple articles on Kotaku and other, other websites that were talking about the stuff that you can do after you get past the level 30 grind like the whole other class of bad guys that are under the sewer system. That is very intriguing, and I went to get to 30 so I can fight them. And a new patch dropped, which is a whole bunch of new cool stuff, so I need to get to level 30. Yeah, I actually need to get back into there. I mean, I've been on vacation from work this past week, so I've been using this time to catch up on a lot of stuff, work on some projects I've been just you know procrastinating on, and the division kind of got you know, push aside a little bit. So I'm still level eight. So a little oh, bit man. of a weakling and all that fun stuff. So going through the beginning of the, you know, the storyline. So I need to get caught up, but yeah, I'll probably have to play that probably in the next coming week or so. Carl, what have you been playing as of late? Well, I would have joined everybody else and said the division, except I jumped on last <laughs> night and it loaded in and it went maintenance. Yeah, the patch. Maintenance, <laughs> maintenance time, three hours. I went, oh, I'll well, screw that. Oh, look, Far Cry 5 doesn't require a patch. I'm going to play that for a little while. So I sat there and played that for the next four hours. And I, I must say, I love the uh, the bullet drop physics in Far Cry 5 because uh, the sniper rifle, so good. Line up shots, boom, headshot, boom, headshot, boom, headshot. It's pretty good. In day. I could dance well. all day. No one, ever, no one got that FPS, Doug? No. Dated reference. Yeah, it's old, man. Well, I am old, so. Just like Boom Headshot. Who remembers that anymore? Right? All these dated references. My God. Let's get something new. Diego, what have you been playing? I have also been playing some Division 2. Uh, really liking it. I'm level 30. I've not finished the story yet. I, I hate you. two more strongholds. Have you gone into the sewers yet? Yes. There's a lot of stuff down there. Have you seen the creepy people, apparently, that are down there? I have not. Damn. Yeah, yeah that article really has me intrigued. I really want to go down there. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff hidden in the division. Like a lot of really small Easter egg type stuff. Like the new Assassin's Creed leak that happened. But that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I'm almost done with it. I want to hit the end game. I want to hit the new uh, content that dropped today in the patch, Tidal Basin. But that is at the end of World Tier 4, and I haven't even beaten the main campaign yet, so I got a way to go. I've also been playing Devil May Cry 5. Um, Blade Palace is cool. That is the thing that they added. Have not cleared it yet with any of the characters, but I'm working hard. That's all I've been doing all week. Yeah, that's what I need to actually get into. I got the update yesterday. I uh, downloaded that, installed it, so I know Bloody Palace is sitting there waiting for me, and I actually plan on tackling that uh, this weekend. Uh, for me, obviously, since I got back into World of Warcraft, I've been playing that, but not to the extent that you would actually think. Just been logging on three nights a week for my raids and then spending about a half an hour each day doing my emissary quests and pretty much shelving the game because I'm trying to take it in more of a moderation standpoint this time around. So you're grinding. Huh? So you're grinding again. A little. Which, not too yeah. much. Not too much. But what I have been playing more recently is more Hearthstone because, well, the expansion drops on Tuesday and Blizzard was kind of like, hey guys, guess what? Surprise patch. And we're giving you one of the legendary cards from the upcoming expansion right now to play for free. And oh my God, Archmage Vargoth is severely overpowered in Resurrection Priest. 
I faced three priests in a row and got my ass kicked by each and every one of them. And I'm like, thank God most of these cards are rotating out on Tuesday because I would not want to play this on ladder every single day for next year and a half. So, yeah, been playing that. And outside of that, um, nothing. All the other games that I have that I should be playing, like the Division 2, like Devil May Cry 5, um, are just like sitting there. just like begging to be played. And I'm over here just like Wait, ignoring them. Didn't you already beat Devil May Cry, though? No, I actually, I'm oh, still on wow. like Mission 8. Okay, I thought you finished it. No, I didn't. I didn't finish it yet. I, I need to do that. Yeah, you need to finish the game. Yeah, I just got to do part where they—I um, don't even remember who the hell it is the the underworld king. I'll just call it that. Where you get like the first, the first scripted battle against him, where you're supposed to lose, and then I guess you know V comes and I don't know some stuff. It's it's been a while. Yeah, you gotta get back into it. Like, like I said, and you've played it, so you already know it is a phenomenal game. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not playing it because, or I'm not ignoring it because it's a terrible game. I think it's an amazing game. And I think it brings uh, the series back to its roots, and you know, promotes stylistic combos and you know, fast action gameplay and all that good stuff that I loved from the first three games. Um, it's just that. You know, with this vacation, I've been focusing on a lot of other things, and well, games kind of took a back burner. So, isn't it interesting that you have a vacation and the thing that you say you're going to do, you never get around to doing? Well, it's just like there's not enough time in a vacation, I think. Yeah. To, uh, I mean, my backlog of stuff that I wanted to get done was pretty comprehensive, <laughs> it was pretty deep, and I'm still not even done with it. I feel like I should take next week off too, and, and just to try and get caught up, but. I'm not going to waste all 80 of my hours at the beginning of the year. I want to take another vacation later on. Yeah, I took off yesterday, and I've got a couple of days, uh, 24th, 25th, and 26th of this month. Something, oh, yeah, Endgame comes out. I want the time to digest a movie and possibly see it twice. Well, I'm crazy. there you go. But no one cares about my vacation. They care about gaming talk. So. But we care about you, Josh. Well, that's not true. Okay, fuck you, then. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> Borderlands 3, release date. Uh, you've got some news on that. So, Keith, I've never actually played a Borderlands game in my life, so I'm going to let you take this story because I'm going to sound like an idiot for trying to, you know, pretend like I know what I'm talking about on this one. I'm going to delegate it this time. I talked about it last time. Diego, all yours, bro. All right. Uh, Borderlands 3, September 13th. Way sooner than I thought. Really excited. You got the standard edition. Then you have two deluxe editions. Yeah. And then the Diamond Loot Chest Collector's Edition, which is almost $300. And it's crazy. And it's they're sold out. It's 250 right now. And I think it goes up because I think every one of them, other than the standard, goes up in price after the first couple of days. Yeah. And so yeah, it's sold one. out. Yeah. And sold out. It's like, holy, you really want this? It ain't. I don't think it's worth that. I don't much. think so either. But I, I don't imagine they made that many either. They must have done a very uh, limited allocation because the allocation for Australia, I'm not too sure how many units there are. I'm going to have to do some investigation. But um, they were sold out in 10 minutes. <laughs> well, the, Australia, the entire Australian allocation, which probably wouldn't have been any more than probably, you know, probably a couple of thousand units, was gone in 10 minutes. Well, and, again, that's, and that was at... 300 I think it was 350 or $400 a pop Australian. You got to remember, a lot of people have been waiting on this game for years. Yeah. 
Yeah, people are crazy yeah. about Borderlands. Yeah, this, so, this, this was this was one of those games that you wondered if three was just a myth. Well, not with Borderlands. We knew they were going to work you know, on you it. Know, just like Half Life. <laughs> yeah, they're not like Valve. You know, Valve has given up on that. I think they've been through so many different restructures. We knew that Gearbox was going to do one. We just didn't know when. So, well, they did start out and went, you know, here's the, the pre sequel. Yeah. Uh, they could have turned yeah. that into its own, you know, here's pre sequel too. And then we have the pre pre sequel because those people are stupid enough and crazy enough to do shit like that. Don't forget the Tales of Borderlands that yeah. wasn't directly yeah. from them, but that too. Which are actually pretty good games. So, unfortunately, my PC brethren, and here's where I go with this Epic Game Store crap. It is exclusive to the Epic Game Store, but only for six months. So, it's coming out on Steam and GOG in April of 2020. Now, this is where I go and say, again, I don't have a problem with the Epic Game Store. I have a problem with their tactics. They had no involvement with this game, but yet they used their money and their influence to get the game onto the Epic Game Store. A store that it still has crappy selection, still has a very weak feature set, and according to the roadmap, they are now behind on adding certain features. But you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I'm going to pick it up regardless. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, Most I'm, of their exclusive deals are a full year. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to fight. I, yeah, it's. Like I've been saying, I, I don't like the tactic. I just don't like how they're doing things. But you know, I, I'm I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired. I'm tired of complaining about this. You know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go hurt the developers who has nothing to do with this. And it's not Gearbox's fault. It is 2K's, and they're the one making the deal. So I I don't see any reason to punish the developers or potentially miss out on a good game because of stupid practices. I'm not going to do that. You know, it's not like they're sexual deviants or harassing people. They're just putting it on the storefront that I don't really care too much about. Eh, all right, fine. That's still worth my money. I'll still pay for the game. Now, my question is, just to sort of sidetrack with, uh, like, not to take the, the, the fire away from Borderlands 3 because it's going to be goddamn epic. Um, but the store, the storefront thing has me interested, especially with it being a time exclusive is it once we get it on the Epic Store, we keep it on that? Or are we going to have the option to also transfer our stuff over to Steam once it gets released on that? They haven't said anything, so I'm going to imagine like other games, once it's on that storefront, you're on that storefront. Bugger. Which, is, that, which is the problem. That, um, yeah, which is, which is definitely a big problem. Because then it just becomes yet another exclusive that we have to have yet another launcher for. You know, and, I, I know there was the there was the April Fool's Day joke of uh, one of the companies bringing out a launcher for your launches. Yeah, but frankly, I see that and I'm like, you know what? These days, we need that. Well, shit. We, there is a launcher for our launchers. It's called Play Night. I've been using it for the last two months. I actually wrote an article about it. It's a launcher that takes all your launchers, puts the game in one centralized location, and it's amazing. I love it. It's produced by Exhibit, by the way. What? Yo, dog, heard you like launchers? Oh, shit. Hey, dog, heard you like launchers. Made a launcher for your launcher. God damn it, Josh. Anyway, anyway. um, I I will definitely say I'm looking forward to more Borderlands 3 because uh, at least with the trailers and everything that they've put out. Oh, yeah. Hey, we get get more Claptrap. 
we get more Tiny Tina, I'm happy. You know, as much as I dislike uh, Tiny Tina's voice actress being uh, Moxie, uh, we get a new place for Moxie. Love yeah, Moxie. We get more Moxie. It seems like we get a, a lot more guy, like a lot more returners from uh, Borderlands Two. And one in this, and, and one. Well, I didn't really see many of one, but then again, I wasn't half paying attention to one because I was just going, "Ooh, shoot things." But I mean, I've always be... loved the world of that game. I love the world of, of uh, Borderlands. Oh, it's it's amazing! Like so many great personalities and everything. Everything is just so weird and different. And yes, I'm even seeing this as an Australian who had to sit through Australian sections of the pre-fucking sequel. I don't, yes, I don't we, follow, follow. We got... Well, because um, the pre-sequel was actually developed by uh, 2K Melbourne. It was one of their right. final products. Uh, one of the final games before the studio closed, actually. And a lot of the voice acting was overly Australian. Ah, uh, okay. Like it was, it was that, 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 yeah, that crocodile Dundee bullshit <laughs> that we hear, hear all the time for, for us Australians. And as bad as that was, including the gun that did like Australian sayings every time you shot the fucking thing. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the game because I, I saw it as a jerk for what it is, but I'll, I'll just be so glad to get one. That's not, having too much of Australian content in it this time, thank Christ. But uh, I, I just can't wait to see what they're going to do. And the only thing I don't understand, or maybe I haven't been paying attention completely, I thought somebody said that there might be some kind of cross-platform play in that game. I'm not 100% sure. Diego, did you hear anything about that? I saw some headlines they were looking into it. I don't know if it was confirmed or anything. Because that would be interesting. I will. Because games like that. I, I, okay, let's let's decide on something real quick. Are we calling this an RPG of, or I'm sorry, a shooter of RPG elements, or are we calling it what everybody likes to call it now, the looter, shoot looting games, or what are we calling this? I I just always called it a first person shooter. That's yeah. the way. That's the way I yeah. saw it. You know, it's yeah, it's got a ton of loot. Yay! Congratulations. Um, but not what game doesn't? And yes, it has some RPG elements, but at the same time, they're not fundamental to the gameplay. No, but I mean, just like they've been doing for the Division and for Destiny and for Atom, we no, apparently we, 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 we can we can go back and call this a first-person shooter. Loot and shoot. I don't. I don't really care. I'm just gonna call it a funny game that I'm gonna be playing. Um, other shoot, than that, shoot, yeah. shoot and clap trap that goes wub dub 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 dub. Yep, that's Borderlands for us. All right, then. So, uh, yeah, I will be playing. Hopefully, everybody else here will be playing it, and we can get some online games. Because four-player co-op. Oh, I'm hearing myself in the background there, guys. Somebody's got me up just a tad bit. That's probably my my headphone bleed. I just mute YouTube um, if you got YouTube on. If you have, if you do have it open. Either but, way, uh, I will. But the big the big question is now that the uh, collector's edition is done. Like it's gone, but I'm sure Keith has has like no four of them on pre-order. Like Fuck he pre-orders no. everything. Else. I don't want that crap. No, there was All nothing right. in that. There was nothing in there that said must buy. Not a not a single thing. He says habits on pre-order. I do not. I swear to you, I don't have that on pre-order. So the so the question now remains: which version 
is everybody picking up? The standard edition, the standard deluxe edition, now. or the super deluxe? The standard. I'm going to get the super I'm, deluxe. I'm going to pick I'm going up all in. the, yeah, I'm going to pick up the um, pre-owned discount edition about five years from now. <laughs> they don't have one on the PC, Josh. Yeah. Well, that's, that's less money than I have to spend then. But you could always be like me and go to the, hey, I'm getting a review copy version. I mean, the only reason I said that the collector edition isn't worth anything, because I'm looking at it, it says Diamond Loot Chest Replica, a Sanctuary 3 Snap Model, 10 character figurines, 5 character art lithographs, 4 vault key keychains. What the fuck do I want a keychain for? A still book, which I get off of eBay, and a season pass. Okay, and that doesn't seem worthwhile. Yeah, that's just collector's edition stuff, though. All those little trinkets. Yeah, I mean, I and I'm a big collector's edition fan. You know, I will buy something like like Sekiro, like the Dark Souls collector's edition. They came with this really swank ass statue that you could sit there and look at and admire. That's cool stuff. What am I gonna do with this? Yeah, that's one thing I really, really miss about collector's editions is the fact that they don't feel like they're worth buying anymore like what happened to the cool stuff like where's the hardcover art books the in like the in-game soundtrack on you know a disc that's not like a, a sample selection like where's the full soundtrack where's you know those custom cool figures that actually come with games and stuff you know where's the real you know rewards that you're paying a hundred bucks for I, mean, I don't care about fucking digital skins and you know different weapons and unlockable characters and season passes and any of that shit. Give me the good physical shit that I can actually hold my hands and and or plug into a computer and rip and put on the internet. Speaking of which, I just put a link in our Discord wow. and also on eBay or on our, our YouTube. Look at that. There's where wow. all they are. Four hundred, five hundred, seven hundred dollars. I ain't buying this crap. No way in hell. Welcome that is ridiculous. Yeah, scalpers gonna scalp. And you know what's gonna be scalped soon? You be Mebos for Starlink because they are going away. I'm already trying to find an, an uh, R Wing for Star or for, crap for Star Fox. <laughs> no, no, you had to ride the first time. Star crap. No, no, no. The, 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 the franchise is great. Nintendo is just dropping the ball big time. I will give you. I will say that. Drop, drop the ball like fucking cratered the thing into the earth like it was a Nokia. Yeah, so essentially what we're talking about here is Ubisoft is getting rid of the toys that you can buy, which will add things like spaceships, pilots, and weapons in the game, and just essentially going with digital only for all future content. So if you're into, you know, little collectible stuff for your game, um, you're out of luck now because... Ubisoft is no longer going to be producing toys. And, it, well, kind of has some people upset because that was one of the cool aspects about Starlink is the fact that not only do you get all these cool things in the game, you can also get a collectible, which will not only give it to you in the game by, you know, obviously dropping it on the controller, but, you know, you can display it. You know, like Keith had his all of his fungos displayed, and I hated him for that. So it's, it's gone. It's all digital only from here on out. And uh, it was a cool idea. But I'm going to guess that it wasn't exactly turning a profit, and that's why they decided to nix it. Uh, so, Keith, what do you think about the whole toy situation for Starlink going away? So, I'm actually pretty disappointed because I think the whole selling point of Starlink was the toys. I like the idea that you can take the toys, integrate them into the game, 
and play a game out like that. I didn't like the fact that you had to buy certain ones to get access to certain features. And I think that's what upset a lot of people. But I also understand that the game did not sell very well because, yeah, look at it. We've had Starlanders. We've had Disney Infinity. Um, we've got the Nintendo's Amiibos. And, and Lego Universe. Lego Universe. And every one of those, with the exception of the Nintendo Amiibos, have died off. Lego didn't stand a chance. They were going really quick. The one that stayed out there the longest was Skylanders. I would say Infinity was almost as long, but they came out years after Skylanders. And the Disney uh, Infinity were amazingly made, and the game was good. I'm also going to call it and say that I don't buy what Ubisoft is saying, and that that game is going to be put out of its misery really soon. Without the toys, there's no point. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I, I gotta say at this point, and just just in general, are we finally seeing the trend of trying to add toys to video games like die out? Yes, yes, because, I, I, because, yeah, I think so. Like as you said, outside of Nintendo, there is no company out there who has been able to find a way to sustain the 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 games and the ability to use those figures for as as long as as they have. Like, the, the Lego one should have been a given. But what did they do? They did the typical Lego thing and overpriced the shit out of it. And it died off because nobody wanted to pay, you know, for, like, three minifigs, like, 40 bucks or some shit, you know. A level expansion pack was, like, almost the same as a full game. It's, that was the typical Lego mentality. And, but, with, like, with the Amiibos, it's like, hey, you buy one and it works with, like, five, six different games. Or, you know, we've integrated them somehow into just about every game we've had since we've launched them. Like, I, was, I, w- yeah. I will say that, yeah, I don't think Lego had a chance because, well, like you said, they were overpriced. And they came into a market that was already oversaturated. They already had Skylanders put on, hi- on hiatus. Infinity has already died or was on its way out. And people were just burnt out. And then they put out like three or four different packs. And it was like, Nobody wants this crap. Why are you doing this? And then poof, gone. And you know, and Starlink is just the latest casualty. And I, and I feel bad because I think they really had a good idea. But as you said, and as people have been saying for a while now, we're done. We don't want we don't want to buy extra accessories like this to play a game. We don't want to be able to unlock the super ultra colossal ship because we need to buy a sixty or seventy dollar version of a plastic ship to play the game. We don't want that because it's stupid. You know, VR is one thing; having the really swank controllers is one thing. Amiibos are another thing because Amiibos don't lock what well, they did before, but they're not doing it now. They don't lock content behind a piece of plastic, and that's the problem that Sterling had. People didn't like it, so it didn't sell. So now I'm trying to find a star an R wing because I like the way it looked, and I won't be paying seventy dollars for it because it's it's bundled with the starter pack, which is another mistake they made. All well, I, got I hope you I hope you like enjoy paying like seventy eighty bucks for it on eBay because now everybody's going to put their prices up. Oh no, I've 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 looked at a couple different stores already to actually have some. I just need to just go there. I think actually GameStop, believe it or not, is actually selling them for really cheap. 
Well, they need to. They kind of lost like almost $700 million. They need to make that money back somehow. GameStop is... Well, I, I don't want to say they're finished, but... They're finished. <laughs> they're finished. It's like, yeah. We're not saying they're going away, but they're kind when, of going when, away. I mean, the CEO, I think, left. So they're looking for another CEO. They tried to sell the company and nobody wanted to buy the company. And then they posted bankruptcy. And how much did they say it was? Let me see something. I think it, it, it was, was I think lie. it was around six hundred and seventy eight million, if I remember the exact number correctly. It was but up there. It, it was a lot. I mean, it, it could have paid off my student loan several hundred thousand times over. Right? Could have paid my mortgage a couple of times. But yeah, so it is pretty sad that they're gone. I, I, I like the concept. I thought it was pretty cool when they announced it, but Plastic toys and video games just don't work anymore. And the fact that you're requiring us to get buy these to play the game just doesn't help your your calls. So see you later. I hope nobody gets fired over this, but you're pretty sure people are gonna lose their job over this. Yeah, I mean, when they have a digital option in there, I mean I guess it's not super required to buy the physical version. I mean, yeah, obviously the physical ability or the ability to have the physical version of it is a perk. I mean, you get to display it proudly. You know, you get to have a little bit of interactivity with it versus the digital version. Um, but honestly, it wasn't required. And if you're a collector, obviously, you're going to feel inclined to, you know, buy it. And to you, it's going to feel required and a money sink. But, you know, for a little bit of a casual gamer, they might not really care about having a physical version. But still, you know, you're still paying money to unlock pretty much everything. So it is a business model that's, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it, it. I wouldn't say it's stupid, um, only because I know companies do need to recoup development costs. Uh, so it is one way to do it. I think it's poorly executed. Uh, there's probably better ways to actually handle something like that. So, but I wouldn't say it's stupid. I mean, there's a place for purchasable items in the gaming world here in 2019, but obviously Ubisoft did not implement it the way they probably should have. Yeah. Yeah, and I just found it. It was actually Target. Target is selling this, the Nintendo Switch Starlink Battle for Atlas starter pack for $30, which means you can go to Best Buy and have them price match that shit, which is what yeah. I'm going to do tomorrow. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, gentlemen, that brings us to the main topic for tonight. The one that's probably going to take up a good, healthy chunk of time. And I think this actually, correct me if I'm wrong, spawned from a lot of comments over Sekiro Shadows Die Twice and its level of difficulty and a lot of the uh, internet just kind of barking back and saying, well, if you suck at the game, you learn to get good. Um, so it's obviously something that's been around a very, very long time in the gaming industry. Uh, we've seen it, you know, basically from harder titles like Dark Souls or like the Xbox version of Ninja Gaiden, you know, any type of game that has a level of difficulty to it that's beyond what most gamers are used to experiencing in this day and age, um, usually get told to get good or don't play the game. And it spawns a toxic behavior among gaming communities and really starts, you know, making people feel like maybe they shouldn't be playing games at all. Maybe not to that extreme, but there could be cases of people feeling like that because of, you know, backlash from an online community. So why is this happening? Who's doing it? And what's the purpose behind this? We're here to discuss. And 
my personal take on it, and I do have kind of rebuttal later on because I know some people are going to be talking about how this is crap and needs to stop. But I think a lot of it is generated from gamers who grew up in the quote-unquote NES era, where games back then were just naturally difficult. And the only way you did beat the game is through repetition. And by repetition, you got muscle memory. Muscle memory made the game easier, and you finally beat it. And essentially, you got good at the video game. And then, of course, you'd pop in a brand new game, have a whole different experience. You have to go through that process all over again. And then when you see games today, like I think it was uh, was Super Mario Galaxy, which introduced like the white Tanuki suit. If you like die like a certain number of times, it gave you like an invincibility suit and you just go through and it basically handholds you through the game and even like show you how to like beat certain sections, too. And I think when people start get used to that kind of gameplay and then get handed a game which has like a difficulty from those older games, they're not used to it as much anymore. And they're, I guess they're expecting to have like an easy mode handed to them just so they can enjoy the story or enjoy the game without having to be punished for not being good at it. And I think it's those older people, those older gamers who are instigating this whole get good thing because, hey, we had to do it. When we were younger, why can't you just nut up and do it yourself, you know? But obviously, that's creating a lot of toxicity in this I'm offended era by everything. So let's discuss this. And I know you had the biggest voice in this, Keith. So go ahead, start us off and tell us why you think this is crap and needs to stop. So I'm going to go back and prefix this by saying that um, there have been a bunch of different games that actually have caused this cuphead uh, Sekiro just brought it back to the forefront. Dark Souls, a shit ton of shoot 'em ups or bullet hell games, fighting games in general. A lot of games cause people to say get good. Um, there are even games that are out there right now. Some developers have put in easy modes in the game, but enabling this easy mode would shame you, like putting easy mode on your screen or um, basically making comments at you saying that you're playing the wimpy mode, you should be playing a harder mode. And I honestly, you know, I, I'm going to go back and say, I used to be somebody who used to say get good all the time, but I don't have a problem with you saying the get good. If you go and you offer some suggestions on helping people play. No, the problem that we're having now is people will say get good and then offer no kind of suggestions. Like, a good example for me would be with Dark Souls. Dark Souls, people would complain this game is too hard, this game sucks, these balls are too hard, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, and then you would automatically hear the get good. But what I would do, and a lot of people in the Dark Souls community would do, is say, you know, yeah, you need to get better because the game isn't really that hard, but there's just some things that you can actually do to make yourself better. We're not just saying, hey, you suck at the game, maybe you should stop playing the game and go do something else. But that's the problem with that mentality right now. People are just saying get good and basically shaming people and doing over and over and over and over to the point where people get frustrated. People don't want to play the game anymore. And I don't think that these people that are throwing out these words understand what this is actually doing to people. Because if you have a game, we'll use Sekiro. We'll use Sekiro as an example. You're telling people that the game is hard and they're saying I suck at it and you're saying get good which basically means hey I'm not going to play this game anymore which means I might tell a friend this game is terrible I might tell another friend it's terrible they might tell a friend it's terrible and you get this whole giant ass snowball effect where people are like well this game is too hard I'm not going to play it I'm not going to buy it which could potentially hurt sales of that game 
there's no shame of telling somebody to get good or to get better. We've been telling people this our entire lives. We've been telling people, hey, you're not doing this very well. But if you go back and tell them, you know, you're doing it wrong. Here's how to do it better. Or let me help you. Let me show you how to do it. I don't have a problem with that. Josh, you, you of all people know this is a perfect way that games of old have done this. One, one game in general, Mega Man. Mega Man is one of the biggest examples I can say. When you first play Mega Man, what's the very first thing they do? They basically teach you everything that you need to know about the level within the first few screens of the level and then increase the difficulty from that point forward until you get to the end. And then what they do, they put you in a room and say, here are all the bosses you can go fight. Now you have a couple of different ways of approaching that. You can go against the hardest guy and probably get your ass kicked unless you're a very advanced player. Or you can go after a boss that is easy to kill and has a weapon that'll make the other fight that you need to do trivial. And it teaches you how to play the game. It builds up your, um, your confidence and you're good to go. Dark Souls does the same thing. Sekiro does the same thing. Every game from From Software does the same exact thing. But the problem is people sometimes want to be spoon-fed and they want somebody to show them everything. And here's where the get good comes in. You suck. Get good. Stop playing the game. Go die in a fire. Okay, granted, that's a really crappy thing to say to somebody. But you got to understand the way the internet is anymore is people can be complete and total asses because it's you're anonymous. I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. You don't care if you're hurting somebody's feelings. I don't care if I'm hurting somebody's feelings. I'm basically trying to make myself look like I'm the shit and you're terrible at the game. And I don't care, which is, again, the wrong way to go about it. That's how I feel about it. I think this whole get good mentality needs to go away. I'm not saying we need to hold hands and, you know, sing Kumbaya, but we should be a little more understanding about somebody's frustrations and somebody's problems. Yeah, we grew up on the Nintendo era age where games were hard as hell, Ninja Gaiden, Battletoads. Gamers just aren't used to that anymore. It's just the way it is. We, look at our society. We're, people are used to things being easier. Yeah, it, it's made us weaker. I will say it's made us weaker, but it doesn't mean that we should be shaming people that want to that want things to be a little easier. You know, just just like people are saying, maybe some games should have easy mode, and people are like, no, this game should not have easy mode. If you can't play the game, just don't play the game. Okay, fine. If they put an easy mode in the game, it doesn't mean that you have to use it. Look at Devil May Cry Five. They put auto combos in the game. You don't have to use it if you don't want to. It's not going to make your game any different than if, say, my son wanted to play Devil May Cry and he can't do the advanced combos, so he puts on the combo, the auto combo feature, and he can still play the game, and he can still enjoy the game. And guess what? We're both happy. There's no problem with that. Yeah, give a game easy mode. If you're not going to touch it, fine. Who cares? Or do like they did Cuphead. Cuphead is a great example. If you play Cuphead, Cuphead in easy mode, what does it do? Has anybody played Cuphead in here in easy mode? Nope. Nope. Damn. Okay, so what happens is when you play <laughs> Cuphead in easy mode, you beat the boss, but you don't get the, you don't get the, uh, the kill. It says, great, you've beat the boss. Now go back and do it the right way. It basically says, I taught you how to do the boss now. Now go play it on the normal level. That's great. That's fine. It's not hurting me. It's not hurting you. And if you want to play it the right way, you'll do it on the normal level. 
That's it. Everybody wants to be happy playing a game. Everybody wants that sense of accomplishment that they did something. Easy mode's not going to change that. I don't think it's going to change that. What about anybody else? I shouldn't be the only one talking either, guys. Come on. Come on. Yeah, no, I, I agree no, with you 100%. I think uh, it should be a requirement for all games to have easy modes, but I think that they should, developers should probably think into look into having these in more games. Uh, a great example of a hard game that has not an easy mode, uh, Celeste has an assist mode where you can, it's not just a straight up easy mode, you can customize it to whatever you want to do. You can slow down the game speed. You can turn on, have you guys played Celeste? I kept, I keep meaning to play, but I've never gotten to it. I've heard it's a, a phenomenal game, though. Yeah, it's fantastic. And the difficulty is crucial to the game's story, and it even tells you that whenever you start the game up. It says, Celeste is a hard game. The difficulty is a part of the experience, but if you can't get through it, turn on the assist mode. And you can turn on infinite air dashes. You can turn on infinite stamina for climbing. You can turn it to where you won't get killed if you hit by, get hit by an obstacle or a spike or something, which it allows people who... Otherwise, would not be able to experience Celeste and the story and the characters and the world to experience it. And even if you're just a regular gamer and you use easy mode, that's fine. But whenever I think of easy modes, I think they should be more commonplace because of players with disabilities. Yeah. Accessibility is a huge problem in the gaming industry nowadays. And people, games are for everybody. Like everybody should be able to play games, no matter who you are and what's, what conditions you have. And certain things like with Celeste, some of those jumps require a lot of precision and a lot of timing. That just, some people just can't do that. And other games with uh, quick time events and things like that, where you have to mash buttons, a lot of games have settings where you can change it to a hold button or things like that, or toggles. And I think settings like that should be more commonplace. The so Division 2 surprised me whenever I started that game up, because whenever you start it up, you get your, your options setting, which is normally just subtitles and things like that. But when you boot up the Division 2, the, the menu narration is on by default. And it really caught me off guard because other games don't do that. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, what if what if I couldn't make out the text on the screen? What if what if I couldn't see or things like that? What if I was uh, what if my vision was low? It's it's something we all take for granted. And I feel like just saying get good is almost exclusionary. If, if you're just saying it to people and dismissing what they're what they're trying to say. It's and, terrible. It's yeah, terrible. a game like Sekiro is it's it's a great game and the exploration in the world is is top notch. But I know so many people who just can't play that game because they don't have the time to to invest in it. And I get that the difficulty is a core part of all of From Software's games. It's just so, that those worlds are so great too. Like I love the world and the architecture and everything in Dark Souls. And I will go I know I will so go, many people who can't just can't. I'll go I'll go on record and say that Sekiro is harder than Dark Souls. Very hard. Just because of there's no online component, so you can't have anybody come in and help you. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's no, there's no leveling, which means you can't power level yourself past an encounter. And you must, you must use the parry posture system in order to beat opponents. Yeah. You have to. Not the lower ones, but if you think you're going to get past half of these bosses without taking advantage of those systems, you're crazy. If you yes. think you're going to block all day, they will break your posture and they will kill you. Dark Souls, you could block to the cows come home. Yeah, you, you can play a lot slower in Souls. You cannot do that in this game. Even if you play Dark Souls with a one-handed weapon or a two-handed weapon and not using shields, you still can power level your way through the game. You cannot do this here. And I think a game like Sekiro 
And yes, from software makes hard ass games, and yes, from software makes games that are challenging, and yes, uh, from software has a core audience, but they would have a lot more if they did put an easy mode in. Again, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, it doesn't take away from the core experience. Now, I'm not saying put an easy mode in a game that people can just raffle stomp to the entire game. No, 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 not that. No, don't ever do that. But make it so they have to put some kind of effort in to get rewarded. Like maybe make some of the bosses not have to go through so many uh, phases or maybe, I don't know, maybe make the posture system a little more forgiving. No, something like that. Don't make it so that people can just close their eyes, spam a couple buttons and make it through the game. Don't do that. That's terrible. Or, or make it so if they're using easy mode, they're locked into just one ending. And then go back and like other games in the past will do. Oh, you beat the game on easy mode. Now go back and beat it on normal mode. A lot of old games, old school games, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, did that. You played it on easy mode. Now go back and play it again the way you're supposed to. I'd be fine with that. And I'm willing to bet that people that played the game that don't care about the super awesome, perfect ending would be happy with that as well. Because if they really wanted to see that ending, let's be honest. They can go on YouTube and watch that right now. They can go on Twitch and watch that right now. They can go on Mixer and watch it right now. Yeah, but they I don't, don't care think that, that should be a requirement. Like, I, I feel like even with an easy mode, like all endings should be accessible. Because I, I don't want to lock people out of content just because they're not skilled enough or able to complete certain challenges. But that's I think the thing. The reward of completing on, on normal or hard. Like, if you beat Sekiro normally, that's, that's the reward in itself. Like, if somebody right. can't do it and they want to play on an easier difficulty or, or some kind of assist mode, that's on them. And it, they only play that mode because they know they can't do it on the normal, whether they don't have the time to invest in it or they're, they just some kind, of, some kind of physical disability to where they can't react fast enough or they don't have the timing. Well, I guess that's, I guess that's kind of the problem that developers will actually have to figure out. How are we going to make this... I don't want to say fair because fair is a bad word because I don't care if you play it on easy mode or you don't play on easy mode. That's your prerogative. I don't care. Yeah, it's it's kind of a hard place for a developer to be. Actually, uh, I, I think believe it's not, not one developer. One developer right. actually did come up with the perfect solution, and I hate to say it because you know I went crawling back to them after a six month sabbatical, and that's Blizzard Entertainment. Oh no! I mean, with the different raid difficulties they have. Um, they have looking for raid, which is basically their easy mode. There's normal, heroic, and mythic. No matter what mode you go and do a raid on, you get the same cutscenes, you get the same story experience, you get to experience all the content at its base core. But you don't get the same loot. No, you don't. You do get rewarded with higher level gear for the difficulty. So, like, for example, you get rewarded with, um, God, what is looking for raid? Actually, I don't remember what they are this tier. I'll just use the last tiers, for example. You got rewarded with 340 gear for um, for looking for raid. I think it was 355 for normal, 370 for heroic, and 385 for mythic. You don't get achievements in looking for raid. You don't get mounts in looking for raid. You don't get any of the bigger perks. You have to do it on the harder difficulties in order to get those. But still, if you do looking for raid, you still get to experience the core story of the actual raid, you get to experience the bosses, and you get to engage in the overall story that they're telling for the expansion. So you're not left out. And it doesn't require a high amount of skill at all to do looking for raid. Hell, you can AFK through the whole thing and possibly oh, still not die. stop saying it, because people have actually done that shit in the past. When I played WoW, people would do that. Yeah, so I mean, there's those level of difficulties there. Um, so 
that's a good example of having an easy mode in the game because obviously it's not going to work for every game because you know World of Warcraft and MMORPG it has millions of players and not every single player playing that game is going to be at the same skill level. There's going to be varying degrees of skill levels. There's going to be people who have time constraints. Maybe they have a family. Maybe they have a job or college or both. Maybe someone's fresh out of high school and can play, you know, 20 hours a day and then be a mythic raider and get sponsored by freaking Intel or some shit like that. You know, <laughs> maybe they can do that and play at the highest level possible and min max everything. But then there's, you know, the mom and pops who play with their family and have a good time. And, you know, looking for raid is probably best for them or maybe even normal mode, which isn't really that hard to begin with. So, you know, they do appeal to a broader audience. So it works for them. Um, another good example I could give you is Mega Man. And for the longest time, there was no easy mode. Actually, Mega Man 2, believe it or not, did have an easy mode. Uh, it was called Normal. And Normal was actually the easy mode from the Japanese counterpart, and Difficult was the original Japanese game. They actually dumbed it down because they didn't think that the American audience could actually handle Mega Man 2 in its original difficulty. So they actually gave you a difficulty setting. It was the only one that actually did that. Um, but... They have an easy mode in Mega Man 11, and I think um, they did it in 9 and 10 as well. But the reason why they did that is because there was such a huge time gap between those games and the main series when they were cranking them out on a yearly basis that almost a generation of players went by that had never, ever experienced Mega Man before. And possibly they wanted to see what it was like but they didn't grow up playing the game, so they wanted to include an easy mode so they would feel a little more inclusive and ease them into the difficulty that the game was known for. Of course, again, it's optional. You can just click on normal and just have at it. Hell, you can even do like superhero mode and basically take two hits and die if you wanted to go the sadistic route. So, you know, there's a place for it in games like that where it's the franchise has been known for difficulty, but you're trying to reintroduce it to like modern day gamers that are not used to that. So I think there's a place for it there, but on the flip side, I still think get good still applies to a lot of these games. And the rebuttal I was going to make against it was exactly for the same reason that you already stated Keith, where you're actually telling someone to get good, but offering assistance in a helpful way rather than telling them to delete their life by jumping into a chemical vat of fire or something like that. Yeah, I mean, so, that's one thing I will say about the Dark Souls community. They are very helpful. If you go on Reddit or Twitter or various different websites, there are people out there that will say, you know, hey, if you're having a hard time, send me an invite and I'll jump in the game or make a password game and I'll jump in your game. The Dark Souls community is very tight knit. They aren't the people, not all of them are the people saying, get good, you suck at the game, give it up. You know, I've yet to see anybody who's pretty well known in the Dark Souls community to ignore somebody. And I've done the same thing when I play Dark Souls or Mixer and I go to people's streams and I see they're having problems. I will offer to help them. Because I have, that's one of the benefits of having Dark Souls on every platform. I can jump in and say, hey, I got a character at this level. I can jump in and help you beat this level. Which I, I really do think that uh, a Sekiro should have had an online mode. But I understand why it wasn't added. But I still miss it. Yeah, and you're probably going to roll my eyes when I mention this game because I've been mentioning it pretty much every single week. But... Um, that is one of the core foundations of Pantheon that's coming up. 
Oh no, 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 no. We stop you there. I'm no, I'm I'm I've been following Pantheon. I'm I'm excited for that because I've told you over and over and over, I miss playing a, a worthwhile MMO. I just will never go back to WoW. Yeah, but here's the thing with uh Pantheon, and it's not the difficulty of the game I'm actually gonna be alluding to, it's the community. A lot of the players who are going to be playing Pantheon are from that old school Ultima Online, Asheron's Call, EverQuest era, where the games were innately super difficult back then. I mean, World of Warcraft, you know, I will give them props on improving their graphics. They have amazing soundtracks for every expansion. The story team busts their ass to promote amazing story-driven content. It's the systems that are being developed that are failing miserably and hurting an amazing game like World of Warcraft. It's That's what's hurting them. And they have done something to the MMO genre where they've casualized the hell out of it. World of Warcraft was a difficult game back in the vanilla days, and Classic will reintroduce that this summer. And over time, they've added system after system to destroy any type of sense of community. You can go into a dungeon. You can basically say nothing to the other people in there. You can forget their names because they won't even matter. You can plow through it, close your eyes, AOE, get your loot, and get out. That is what MMOs have become because of World of Warcraft. Back in the days of EverQuest, things were not that easy. It took minutes to kill a single mob. If you killed, or if you pulled, rather, like two mobs or more, your group was dead without crowd control. It was that difficult. And then you had EXP losses. You had to do corpse runs naked. And if you died on the way back, you have to do two corpse runs then and get your gear back. Sometimes in PvP, people could loot gear off of you when they killed you, which means all that work you spent you know, getting gear was lost. But the thing is, a game that difficult brought players together in a community to where there was no shaming, no hate, none of that. I mean, sure, there were some assholes who basically dragged mobs on top of you and trained you for the hell of it and laughed, you know, and whatever. But, like, one example I can give, the best example is when I was playing on the Valenzek PvP team server. I pretty much can still remember to this day, and it's been 14 years since I played EverQuest, almost every single person in every guild on that server, what class they played and everything. There was honor and player-made rules on that server that were not part of the game that every player followed. Like if you died in the zone to an enemy player, you looted your body and you scooted for an hour and gave them the camp that you were camping or you let them have the zone. Guilds would actually PvP each other for the right to face a raid boss, and the other guild would concede if they lost and let you have that raid zone without coming back and killing you, even though the game did not prevent them from doing so. You know, they had a tight-knit community that actually helped each other. They had people, you know, come up to you. They were complete strangers and say, hey, I'll drag your corpse out of there for you since I see you're naked. I'll help you out. And they won't even ask for any gold or silver or platinum to do it. They did it just out of the kindness of their heart. And those are the people that are going to be playing Pantheon because they miss games like that. And that is the type of community that I think epitomizes gaming and a lost art that is basically being destroyed by a get good movement. Because people just tell you to get good and expect you to just die in a fire if you can't play a game instead of actually offering help and helping you become a better player through basically companionship and you know cooperative measures. So... There you go. There's my little soapbox rant, and that's my little rebuttal. Get good should die for the wrong reasons and should stay for the right reasons. I agree. And I was going to say, 
I don't think any of that would ever fly in WoW. I can't remember how many times you would have a boss come up, a world boss come up, and you had every different guild trying to take it down, even if you were there first. I hate those days. Hey, yeah. um, Mace, you've been uh, particularly quiet. Anything you want to add to that? Um, yeah, probably a, a bit, a bit of a, a different style of opinion. Like, I agree, definitely the whole gig get good mentality that's been brought about by a lot of games and personally i bring it back to like world of warcraft personally where a lot of this stuff was gear score and all that crap um a lot of people having the mentality of just get good or die scrub it's it's a bad attitude to have and it is exactly what the people have called it. it's toxic and it destroys communities it destroys games but to a degree there is a little bit of point in the get good mentality of you should at least attempt to try and get better at the game. Uh, you know, if everybody just played everything on easy mode, then nobody would really end up enjoying to a degree. Like, I'll, I'll admit, I play a lot of things on easy mode, but that's because I'm reviewing. I need to get through the game quickly. I need to cut down on the action because I need to get the story elements and everything else for the review. But I'll go back later and I'll play on normal modes just to get the full feel for the game. If it's something I'm playing for myself, then I'll play on normal. Or, you know, if I really want to up the challenge, like with fighting games, I usually play on hard because that's where the actual training to go in the tournaments, which I still do every now and again. Yeah, that's where that comes from. But... To have somebody turn around and go, get good or stop playing the game. Bad mentality. Terrible, stupid idea. If somebody says, you know, at least attempt to try and get better, sure, do that. That's how we all learn. You know, many of us here are WoW players. When, no, we, first no. started, when, we, when we first started raiding, I know you're, uh, we're all off the drug now. No, we're not uh, all off the drug. Well, most of us. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. Sorry, <laughs> Josh and I relapsed for 24 hours. Not even that, probably about two hours when they did the free weekend. But that's because it was a free. It was a free hit, okay? Uh, but, like, when we all went and started raiding, you know, you always weren't the best of your class. You know, you didn't know your positions. You didn't know what damage you need. You didn't know what gear you needed. And at least back in the older days, before they started bringing in LFR and all that type of stuff, you would have people in your guild who would turn around and go, okay, you want to be a tank? We're going to train you to be a tank. You want to be a healer? We're going to train you to be a healer. Hell, one of the best things I ever did as a, as a paladin tank was run dungeons with four other paladins. Why? Because every paladin had taunt. So they would be pulling aggro off me left, right, and center. It was my job to get it all back. That's how I learnt, and that's how I got good at my class and my role. Never did I have anybody go, oh, get good scrub or get get out, until things like LFR started happening. I wouldn't say that. Free, entit free entitlement gear. I wouldn't say that. I mean, there have been, I know when I first that's, tried that's, to start that's, 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 that's my personal experience. I mean, there's like, been plenty of times. Different when I've ran an instance and I was the tank and I've done the opposite as well. And that was terrible. And I couldn't keep aggro on certain people because they wouldn't listen. Wouldn't let me aggro. This is back in the day when warriors really had to fight to get aggro to hold it.
And if you decided you wanted to DPS the hell out of a creature or a mob, then you were pretty much screwed. And then people would drop group. And vice versa, if you were in a group and the tank was terrible and you gave the, the tank plenty of time to try and get better and they didn't do it, you would just drop group. I mean, it's still there, you know, either you're trying to be good versus the other player being ass. And get good works both ways. You know, you could be a crappy healer or you can be a really amazing DPS character, but you suck at directions and you suck at following directions. And when your tank tells you, hey, don't DPS this mob until I have them, and I don't even get a chance to grab you or taunt you when you're already shooting it. It's making a beeline to your head. Well, that's your problem. Sorry. Yeah, well, that, that's understandable. But at, at the same time, it's like to, to pull it up. Like, it's one thing to say, say it about games where you can line or a group mentality. That's, that's one thing. But for games like Dark Souls, yeah, there is an element of the whole get good scrub. Because that's what the game is designed to do. It's meant Agreed. to challenge you. Challenge is not a bad thing. And that's what a lot of people, when somebody goes, oh, get good scrub, all of a sudden there's this, well, they should put an easy mode in there because I can't do it. No. That's wrong. Don't dictate to a developer what they should put into the game that they are creating. That is their creation. They have their reasons for doing it. If you don't like it, then you have the option to put the controller down and go trade the game in. Okay, that's the only thing. That's the only part of the whole get good thing that I will actually side with. That I know a lot of people wouldn't. It's when it comes down to development, and the intention of the game is to challenge you, is to be hard for for the reason of challenge. And people bitch, moan, cry, and complain. I need an easy mode. No. You put the hours in. You get the dexterity going. You get the muscle memory going. You get your brain working. Instead of fucking zoning out like a zombie playing a game. And you practice. And you practice. Exactly. You practice. You know, how how, how do you get to... What's this, what's the old musical saying? How do you get to uh, was it, harmony hall or something like that? Practice, practice, practice. How many Same holes with video games? The wall to make the wall bigger as many exactly. times as I need to. Exactly, you know, and that's what games like Dark Souls and Cuphead and all that are designed to do. They are designed to be a challenge. And if you're going to start bitching and crying, oh, I, well, I don't want the challenge. They should put it in the easy mode for me. Sorry, I hate to be that guy. Put down the controller, trade in the game, go play something else. Because don't dictate to the developer that they should dial back on their creation because you can't handle it. I mean, you that's know, a valid... Hell, hell, look, hell, look, 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 uh, look at our good, uh, good buddies uh, uh, Bullet Rage. You know, that, that game gets friggin' hard at times, and like when I started out, I was getting killed, you know, practically in the tutorial zone. Now I've been playing it for a while. The muscle memory's starting to kick in. My brain's starting to work out where things are coming from. All of a sudden, you know, synapses are firing, and and it's like, okay, I can do this. I can push through to the next bit. Then I get stuck again, and I just keep hammering at it. 
yeah, how many times do I have to push my head through this brick wall in order to get to the next level? Well, fine. Let's see how we go. Who's going to drop first, the wall or me? And that is that's a, that's a sense of accomplishment instead of the sense of entitlement that people want an easy mode for. But that's fine. I mean, what you mentioned is is is, is an accomplishment. Is is you trying something, which is fine. I think everybody here is also in agreement with that. What a lot of us have the problem with is when somebody says, you know, I I can't play this game, and everybody's first reaction is, you suck, die in a fire, get good, go away. I mean, that's not helping. That's that's the whole toxic thing. No. If I'm playing no. a game and, and I say and, I can't do it, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that on that part. That type of mentality needs to go away. It is toxic. It is wrong. But it's when you we try to tie that mentality into the reason for needing an easy mode or an easier mode for people. No, the two do not tie in together. The two are two super, completely separate ideas that need to be treated as separate things. And that's fine. I mean, that's totally fine. I mean, you can call for an easy mode or you can call not for an easy mode. And at the end of the day, it's again, it's up to the developers to decide they want it. Like from software, they want our workers saying we make these games hard on purpose for a specific reason. And and that's it. And honestly, I, I don't think I would probably play Dark Souls if it was easy, easier. Because I think right now every Dark Soul is trivial as hell. You know, I've, yeah, that's, I, that's, that's I, because how many hours have you put into like? But that's the thing. But that's find? the thing. That's the thing. Exactly. I didn't give up. I said, you know what? This boss is kicking my ass. I'm gonna figure out how to beat it. And Sekiro is no different. You know, I played that game for sixty odd hours, fighting a certain boss over and over and over. Guardian Ape can kiss my ass. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Over and over and over and over till you saw the video on YouTube, I got to the point where I could kick his ass without even dying. Because yeah. it's like, all right, I need to figure this out. Shout out to QTT6, who just got a uh, sub-50 minute um, world record speedrun in Sekiro today. Oh, See man. I mean? <laughs> uh, let's also look at the other guy as well. Uh, the, who was the guy who did all three Dark Souls in a row without being hit? Ah, uh, fuck. Who was it, was, that? it was in the news recently. Yeah, and that was a huge accomplishment. Like, that, that is skill and dedication. But you know how many people Paying have actually off. been doing that? There have been so many people trying to do no-hit Dark Souls, and there's been a ton of people doing it. Uh, who was it? Happy Hob. Yeah, the Happy, the Happy Hob. And he's been one of the ones who's been trying for a, a long-ass time. I've caught a couple of his streams, and he's always trying to do it. He's been doing it. Uh, Lobo Jr.'s been doing it. Um... God, there's so many different people that try to do that. But, but that's the thing, you know, it, without the idea of, you know, I want to accomplish this, I want to push myself, you know, would they have gotten to this phase? No. Would they have probably given up if they had people going to get good scrub? Probably. It depends. Would, it, it, would an easy mode to help them? No. I mean, thick skin also is a big thing. You know, like, like if you would have told me to get good scrub, I'd be like, whatever. Because that's that's just how I am. I, I don't care what you say, and not everybody's yeah. like that. And, and that's but that's the thing. That's that's our generation, Keith. That's you know, for for a majority of our generation, that's the way we see things. We have a thicker skin than most because we were still brought up in a time where, you know, and I'm going to go slightly off topic here, but like discipline for kids was a thing. We didn't get a, an achievement in school for the most mundane little thing. 
you know, not everybody, you know, it wasn't, oh, you know, second place is just second winner. No, second place is first loser. You know, we were brought, we were brought up with the reality of if, you lo- if you're not winning, you're losing, pure and simple. If you want to get better, then you train. You get you push yourself further, not, oh, it's okay, darling. We'll pull everybody back to, to suit you. It's that mentality that's now coming through with the people who are playing games, people in life in general, and for, and for people like us who, who grew up in the generation where we, where we didn't get handheld and helicopter par, uh, parented and everything, we, grew, we, we are the ones with the last generation with the thicker skin that when somebody turns around and insults us, we turn around and go, yeah, okay, whatever, dickhead, and move on. But, that, but all of a sudden, you now have a generation that was brought up on hand-holding. Everything was an achievement, you know. Uh, like, how many games have a, oh, look, you started up the game. Congratulations, here's an achievement achievement. Oh, dear God. If there's ever you know, a game like that, there's going to be a huge problem. Uh, D- Deadpool did it as a joke. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was one of those things, But like that type of mentality of every little thing needs to require an achievement and we need to be handheld the entire way and told, oh, you're great, darling, the entire time. That's the generation that is now currently the majority of gamers. So when something comes along that challenges them, like Dark Souls and, and Cuphead and, and uh, the name I can't pronounce because it's sort of semi-Japanese. Sekiro. 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 <laughs> um, when those games come along, of course, you know, suddenly there's a challenge and there's no option to be handheld through it. They start complaining, bitching and complaining, and that's when I—that's where I have the problem. Is that they don't want to put in that effort, they don't want to put in that work, they don't want to put in the the, the time to learn the skills, learn the patterns, and everything else, and actually get good at the game. And they go back and blame it on the developers and the game instead of realizing their own faults and failures. I, I can agree with that. So, last question on that um, from everybody: How do you feel about? people talking about the game saying that maybe the game isn't for them because it's too hard. Do you think it's right for people to still come back to them and say, get good or say their opinion is terrible because they suck at the game? Um, Honestly, there's many different levels of gamer skill out there. And, you know, I have actually played games in the past where I was turned off by the gameplay I don't know if it's like a difficulty thing or if it was like a control thing. Like good examples, the very first Resident Evil with their backwards ass controls. I refused to learn it because motor skills that I've used to play games told me that left was left and up was up, you know, and I didn't want to conform. And I actually gave up on Resident Evil and I actually have not touched the series because it left a very sour taste in my mouth from the very first time. So I can understand that to a degree where sometimes someone could play a game and they're just like, uh, this is not for me. I don't want to play this. And it could be a number of different reasons. And personally, I think that's fine to an extent. But as Carl you know, pointed out, if it's for a reason where they basically feel the game is too hard and to demand an easier version of it just so they can enjoy it, then no, I, I, I don't think you know, it's wrong for, or it's right for them to basically give up on the game. They should basically learn it and essentially get good. Diego? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think 
challenge is a core a core part of most games. It's the interactivity is what makes video games video games. And if people don't want to play a hard game, they want to play a hard game. They can play something else. I don't think it's right to demand a, a, a mode without a failure state from the developers. I think that's just wrong. However, I think the experience should be customizable because some people have physical disabilities and they just can't play games like we can. And I think they should still be able to experience these games if they want to. Of course, it's it's kind of a gray area when you have games like Sekiro and Souls and all these from software games and Cuphead, where the challenge is the game. But I think Devil May Cry 5 is built around the combat system and pulling off combos, but it has an auto combo. Does that ruin the experience? Did that take away my experience with Devil May Cry 5? No, it just made more people be able to experience it. I think but if you're just not willing to put in the work to learn the hardness, like to learn how to play the game, then that's just on that person. They they need to put down the, put in the time and practice and learn how to play Sekiro and learn how to beat the boss. I was stuck in the Guardian 8 for like three hours. But I, I stuck with it and I kept trying. But if somebody is physically unable to pull certain things off, I think they shouldn't be excluded from the experience. Did you finally beat the finally boss? Beat the- yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> and how did you feel? It felt so good. Oh, man, what a rush. And there we go. Uh, just just one thing. Like I understand like where you're coming out from with the, the whole physical disability thing. And you know, I, I can see how that can be a hamper to an experience. Luckily, we have started coming into ways, especially uh, Microsoft, with their, their controllers uh, that they brought out for people with disabilities that are customizable. That, that's the route that a lot of companies should be going. And you know, we should be working with people with disabilities to help them get the proper experience that they want to get out of it. You know, at no point would I ever say you know, having a disability is going to hamper you from enjoying a game. Because you 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 play the game regardless, um, but and, and to, then there's also things like the auto system that, that's been brought up in Devil May Cry Five. It's an option. The customizable, like you said, is a great idea. But you know, is it something that's being forced upon us? No, it's it's optional. And with again, and sort of to throw back onto the disability, we are getting there. You know, gaming is probably one of the slowest evolving things when it comes to working with people with disabilities. And I wish a lot of companies would be following Microsoft's example and bringing out controllers and stuff like that, working with disabled people who have difficulty playing games with a standard controller and finding new ways to get them involved. Well, there are companies, there are some developers who realize that accessibility is an issue and they've, they stated that this is something that has been overlooked in the gaming industry for quite some time. So there are some developers, with some of Microsoft Studios being at the forefront, they are developing games that will make it easier or more accessible for people who have um, handicaps. So there are people that are realizing this and are addressing this. So that's always a good thing as well. Not directly related to uh, the topic, but it is nice to know that they are doing this. So I guess yeah. we pretty much beat this topic to death. Um, and um, Wait, I it's getting a sick around. It's reviving. Oh no. my god! <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> Quick I don't dodge, Perry. Anything else um, that we need to say about that? Pretty much. Um, and since we're getting towards the end of the show, I guess we can end it with titles you're looking forward to this month. I know a couple people are looking for something. Oh yeah, obviously. Uh... Hearthstone Rise of Shadows drops Tuesday, and of course, April 23rd, 
the one I'm looking forward to the most is Mortal Kombat 11. Yep, Except collector. That 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 character just looks absolutely terrible. We didn't report about that today, and I, I'm sorry, I was out today. My wife's birthday, like I said, is this weekend, so I was out hanging out with her today. I'll get that news post up because I still haven't posted anything yet today, so I need to get at least one post up. I was out. Feel dirty. Anybody else? Uh, I'm pretty much in the Mortal Kombat camp at this point in time. It's the only thing I'm waiting on. I've got my pre-order down. I'm going for the premium edition so I can get all the DLC characters that they'll throw in at later points. I'm uh, surprised. Uh, Super Dragon Ball War Heroes doesn't interest you? I would have figured you'd be on that. It, it does. It does. But it's not one of those ones I'm really feeling inclined that I want to drop money on. Okay. Uh, it's one of those ones where I'm sort of sitting here waiting for a reply from my contact from Bandai, from Bandai going, hey, have you got a copy? <laughs> Fair enough. I know this next one is going to have some different items there, right, Diego? I know there's a couple of games that you're looking forward to. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to all the games, but more specifically, Days Gone is out on the 26th. Days Gone. I feel like that was one. sleeping on this game a lot. I forgot about that. That was that <laughs> one that had all, like, the, the thousands upon thousands of zombies at yep. least three, yeah. like, looks five years ago. Generic, but I'm, I'm looking to give it a chance. I, I think people are being way too hard on this game. And that's exactly um, when I'm out of work for those three days, so I'll be playing that as well. Uh, another zombie game, World War Z. I don't know why they're making a World War Z game in 2019, but I've, from what I've heard, people have been comparing it to Left 4 Dead, so I'm all in. That's yeah, the they said 16th, that about. I think. They said that about the Walking Dead game too, which yeah, but that was Overkill. I don't really trust Overkill after Payday. Is is this uh, is this the same as um, the same developers as Left 4 Dead? No, because no, I heard that they were working on something. Yeah, they're working on. Back for Blood, I think it's called. You're doing something. Yeah, I haven't been following them because I was like, yeah, you guys were great. Then you fell into obscurity. And now I'm like, whatever. I don't, eh, I don't care. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of zombie stuff this month. At least for Anything me. else? Uh, Mortal Kombat, but we already covered that. Mortal Kombat. I'm surprised. There's a, here. there's a game that I could have swore you might have said, but you didn't mention it. So I guess it's my turn. Um, so I'm looking forward to Mortal Kombat, even though I'm not a big fan of the series anymore. Um, Konami's Arcade Classic Anniversary Edition. I'm looking oh, yeah, forward I forgot to that. about that. I want that. Um, there's a game that actually came out the other day for the Switch. Um, it's called... I'm going to screw this up. Mexter Munition Force? Yeah, it's got a weird name, but it's a, it's a 2D uh, shooter platformer. I really want to play that. Uh, Ooh, I just remember something, but go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I just remembered that um, uh, Dragon Mark for Death got a physical release just like last week or so. I got to pick that up for the Switch. And uh, Katana Zero, that's coming out this month. Man, my wallet's gonna fucking suck. See, and, see, and, uh, I, I, I would be, I would be interested in the uh, Konami classics, the arcade classics, if it actually had the ones that I liked, like you know, X Men, Simpsons. Oh, Turtles. those are licensing issues, man. I don't <laughs> yeah, think the, 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 the real classics. Man. Can, yeah, because um, yeah, you know, those games, Alien. Oh my god, Aliens was my. I played that game every day in arcade. Loved it. Yeah, I am kind of disappointed there are some games that are missing. Uh, Jackal's missing. 
or some people know it as Top Gunner. That's not there. I don't know why that's not there. But yeah, so those are the games I'm looking forward to. Um, April is thankfully not as expensive as the last couple of months have been. Yeah, I mean, there's a crap ton of games coming out this month, but these are the only ones that really interest me. So we'll, yeah, we'll we've, we've gotten through that. the bulk of the spring releases. And so I think I think the next big month is going to be next month. Because you got Rage 2, you've got all the Resident Evils for the Switch next month. Yeah, that's if you want to be bothered paying full price for those things. Team Sonic Racing is next month. Aren't they also coming out with like a remastered version of Turok for the Switch as well? It already came out. Oh, did it? Well, that's yeah. another one I got to buy. Yeah, it came out uh, last month. Shit. <laughs> Turok. I love that game. I'm never a big fan of the Dinosaur Hunter. But yeah, yeah, it came out last month. Came out March code and just go around and use a Chrono Scepter and everything. Oh my god, that was so much fun. Do you need that, that Nintendo 64 uh, memory pack as well to play the game? Yep. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, another oh, game. Oh, I totally oh, forgot. What? Dreams Early Access comes out on the 16th. Uh, you know what? I've been following that game, but I, I, it's, it's way too much for me. I've been looking forward to this game for years. I don't have I'm so excited. Of, I don't have the imagination to bring out the best out of that game. Maybe I'll get it for my kids. My son used to love Big ba- uh, was it? Uh, Big Planet? Yeah, he loved the hell out of those games. Yeah, me too. And it has VR support. Like it's gonna have everything. I'm so excited. By by the way, Keith, just as, since we got another couple of minutes, uh, your your wife and kids have been enjoying the uh, SNES Classic. Yes, from, from what yes. You've, you've been telling us, and I know you've you've done you might have done the naughty thing and and added more games. I have no shame in the game. I have modified the hell out of it. Yes, I have. <laughs> So, so how are they enjoying it with like an actual decent uh, games list? <laughs> they love it. They love it and add it with two wireless controllers. It is an amazing experience. I have to change it up again because I want to change it so they can actually um, go to one system to another. So right now, all the games are scattered, but I want to change it to one folder being Genesis, one folder being Super Nintendo, one folder being Nintendo games. So... And I love the fact that it plays Genesis games and other games as well. It's like, thank you, Nintendo, for that. I love it. I love how Keith is just like, hey, Nintendo, this is a great little product you have here. I'm just going to go ahead and make it better. Well, somebody else did the work for me. I didn't do it. Yeah. Every, I think everybody who has bought a, a Super Nintendo or a Nintendo uh, Mini Classic has done the thing of, oh, we're going to make it better by going around and using other emulators and everything on the console. Oh, yeah. I know, I, I, I've, done, I've done it with mine. I even did it with the uh, with the PlayStation, the PlayStation Mini, and I'm probably going to do it again with the Genesis Mini when that comes out. You know, we don't know much about that, but I, I, I put in two pre-orders for that just because if it's as good as the Nintendo classics have been, it's going to sell really fast. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh, I'm only buying the one, but at the same time, it's like I, I've seen that they've only released ten games out of what was it forty so far. Yeah, yeah. And it seems to have the, the stereotypical problem of like one of the better, um, one of the better Sega games, like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog three and Sonic and Knuckles, are going to be missing from the compilation yet again. We might see Sonic and Knuckles. We are definitely not seeing Sonic three. 
because it was a little bit different music in Sonic and Knuckles versus three. Yeah, because that whole Michael Jackson thing. Yeah, we're not going to see Sonic. Uh, Sonic has all three. We're not going to likely see Moonwalker sucks. either. And I wanted Moonwalker. Moonwalker. I doubt we'll see Moonwalker. Yeah, that's the the Genesis version of Moonwalker was freaking excellent. It wasn't better than the arcade, but it was good. Well, for home port anyway. Yeah. But th- that's the other thing. Like I've, I'm wondering about it. Like with the this this Sega. Like, I know it's f- focusing specifically on the Genesis, but let's not forget that the, the Genesis ended up being a goddamn monster by the end of it. Are we going to get, like, a mini 32X that we plug in the top of it? Are we going to get so a, a, barely hope a, a, a mini CD? I'm going to form the Megazord again. Well, if we're going to yeah. talk about that, then let me pimp out the Mega. I'm sorry, the, the Poly Mega. I showed Josh that we talked about this. It's an upcoming retro console that had a Kickstarter funding last year. I completely missed the window. I'm really kicking myself. And it will only be distributed uh, with retailers that request a certain amount of them. It can play a shit ton of old games, TurboGrafx-16, PC Engine, Super Nintendo, NES, and Sega Saturn games, the actual disc. And it works perfectly. $250 coming out in a couple of months. It looks to be amazing. They were they show like X Men vs Street Fighter running on it from the Saturn, and it looks so good. I'm so mad I missed it. And it's modular, so you can buy the different module kits, so you can play the Saturn games or take out that module to play cart games. It's really cool. Hopefully, I can get my hands on one when it comes out. Yeah, two hundred fifty dollars, but you know we've got the analog uh, Super Nintendo emulator. And we've got the one that just came out recently. What was it? The uh, Mega SG, which does the Sega Genesis game. That was a buck ninety. It's just yeah, funny. I'm, it's, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hoping. Off. I'm just, I'm just hoping Sega actually gets enough money out of this Genesis one. I think they, they will. Look into maybe doing, maybe looking into do a, uh, like doing a, a Saturn version in a couple of years or something like that because. The Saturn was a very under under the uh, rated console for what it was. It was. I had some damn good games on it. Same with the Dreamcast. Another, it, another, it was know, underrated. Their, their end of their end of life products were extremely well done, and I don't want to pay like the outrageous prices eBay wants for the stuff. So no, hopefully the mini, the mini versions would be nice. I'm still waiting for my mini Nintendo 64. Thank you, Nintendo. Yeah, that's not happening. That's not going to happen. Switch online. We're not getting that. Unfortunately. But, um, but um, I, I definitely think that the Sega Genesis Mini and the Mega Drive Mini are actually going to do well. You got to remember last year they announced it and they were going to go with AT Games, the same company that made the crappy Atari 2600 and Sega Genesis. And everybody was like, no, we don't want that. Please don't do it. And they eventually said, all right, we're not going to go with them. And now they're giving us this. And everything they've announced so far is great, with the exception of the European version and the North American version getting the three-button Sega Genesis controller, where Japan is still getting the six-button. Incorrect. Incorrect. Uh, Europe, Europe is getting the six-button. Really? Because they said they weren't. Well, that sucks. Just well, my, my, my pre-order says different. We're, so we're the only people not getting it, which is garbage. And the problem that I have is well, it is USB-based, so I'm pretty sure we can buy some 8-bit controllers and use it and be happy. Yeah, just for shits and giggles, Nintendo should take their new VR Labo kit 
and then just come out with a Virtual Boy collection featuring all 14 games that came out for the system. And black and red. No. Don't Free laser surgery coupon for your eyes in case you play it. Uh, you know, I have been thinking about that, so maybe, maybe that's a good... No, no, that's a horrible idea. Fuck no. Sorry, no. <laughs> have you guys seen how you play uh, Breath of the Wild and Mario using Labo VR? Because <laughs> it's ridiculous. I have not watched the video yet, no. Yeah, because it's a cardboard VR, right? With Labo, but you can play the games with it, but there's no, like, stand, like the Virtual Boy hat or anything. What you do is you hold it up to your face but you slot the left and the right Joy-Cons on each side and you hold the Joy-Cons like attached to the VR headset and you play like that. It's ridiculous. So basically like a periscope and a submarine. Pretty much. Oh dear God, no. <laughs> I'm still going to buy it. <laughs> he is a VR nut here. He's going to buy it if it's VR. I don't know. I don't care how blurry Breath of the Wild is. I'm going to play it in VR. All right, folks, and that is today's show. So thanks for stopping by and checking us out. Josh, if you don't mind, sir, please take us out of here into somewhere else. Absolutely. So check out our other podcast because, you know, shills to pay the bills. I, obviously, I made fun of the fact that A1 Podcast was our only other podcast earlier in the show. It's not. We also have the Cine Analyst, the uh, War of Infinite Panels, and, of course, the other big gaming podcast focusing all on Nintendo products aptly named the Nintendo Entertainment Podcast. So make sure you check those out all over on theouterhaven.net. And of course, if you're on the social media website thingies, go over to Twitter and follow us at spectator underscore mode. And of course, if you're on YouTube listening to us now, you already know where to find us. If not, just search The Outer Haven Productions on YouTube. So there you go. So that's going to wrap it up for us this week. For Keith Mitchell, for Carl Smart, and Diego Perez, I am JJ Piedra saying once again, Godspeed to all you out there in Radio Land. Peace.